on Acts chapter 2 and uh, reading from verse 1. In one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Paphagra and Paphamilia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Are you all sitting comfortably? Then I will begin. And uh, I begin by asking you to kind of go with me in this, because I would like you to do me a favour. I'd like you to move... Uh, from the seat that you are sitting in to another seat, even if it's only shuffling down the row, one seat. Would you go with me with this and just move to a different seat? If you want to, you could move to a, a completely different place in the church. There's a, a front row that's empty, there's, uh, there's loads of seats over there. Just move to a, a different seat. How does it feel? <laughs> Better? Some have moved further than the others, which probably says a lot about ourselves. But whenever people gather together, we are creatures of habit, don't we? We, we tend to, to kind of be drawn to the same places. I'm just the same. If I was, if I was you know, attending a church, I would find a place and I would probably uh, sit in the same place each week. We're creatures of habit. Um, if we're honest, we don't like change. Uh, we like things to remain pretty much the same because we feel comfortable, uh, we feel at ease, uh, we feel safe even uh, in a particular place. Um, I was uh, interested to read uh, Walter Brueggemann in his book Inscribing the Text. He said, ordinarily, when things seem strange, we gather around the gospel that is familiar and reliable. When things seem too new and threatening, we appeal to God who is old and established. When everything changes, we sing about a changeless God. Change and decay all around I see. O thou who changest not, abide with me. Ordinarily. Except that Pentecost is not an ordinary time. The difference is that it is God's own spirit that causes the strangeness. It is the spirit of Jesus among us who changes everything. I like that idea uh, that ordinarily everything remains the same. 
uh, but it's the Spirit of God that causes the, ch- the change, and in Walter Brueman's words, the strangeness. And if nothing else, the day of Pentecost was a pretty strange day. It wasn't your average Sunday morning. Uh, strange and peculiar and spectacular things happened to those first disciples on the day of Pentecost. And I'm describing it as Pentecost, the wind of change. The wind of change that blew in into that room where the disciples were gathered. And so we're thinking about the wind of change. And the first thing that I want to say is that the wind of change is speeding in. The wind of change is speeding in. It's true uh, in the world that we live in. It's pretty hard to keep up with the change that's happening all around us, isn't it? For those of you that uh, are computer geeks, you will know that as soon as you've got uh, a computer or a program or whatever, almost before you've installed it in your computer, it's out of date and something new has come along. Phones, who can remember those huge uh, Brit-like things that we used to kind of carry around uh, and, and hold to our ear and we look ridiculous, ridiculous? And now, of course, uh, we've got these smartphones, these little phones, which are actually getting bigger. Have you noticed that? The phones are getting bigger again. And uh, you just can't keep up. And, and so change happens very fast all around us. And uh, on the day of Pentecost, uh, the change happened very quickly. The Spirit was uh, speeding in. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house there where they were sitting. Uh, suddenly. Uh, very quickly. Very, very suddenly. Um, Although Jesus had told the disciples to wait for the Spirit coming, the disciples had no idea what that meant. Uh, They were being obedient, they were waiting as Jesus had told them to wait in Jerusalem. But if they were honest, they didn't really know what they were waiting for. And suddenly, um, it's interesting the way uh, Luke tries to describe what's happening. He can only describe what's happening by trying to find familiar things and saying, well, it was like this, it was like a violent wind, but obviously it wasn't the wind. Uh, when he talks about the, 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 the tongues of fire, he says it was, it is that they see, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, but obviously it wasn't fire, otherwise the people would have been burnt. You saw how carefully Ben was, uh, with the fire this morning to make sure that nobody was anywhere near it on the day of Pentecost. The fire actually seemed to appear on top of the disciples' head, but obviously it wasn't fire because nobody got burnt. So Luke is trying to describe what's happening, but struggling to describe what's happening, and so he tries to use things that are familiar to describe the strangeness of God's Holy Spirit speeding in quickly, changing everything in an instance. Really what we like is if change is going to happen, we prefer it to be gradual, don't we? You know, let's have some warning about the change. Let's have, you know, if, if we're changing things, one of the rules that I was taught at, at Bibles College, you know, about church meeting, you know, if you're going to make some drastic change, you know, announce it in one meeting that, uh, that we're going to be talking about it. Allow people to discuss it. Allow a few meetings to be happened before you actually initiate the change so people get used to the idea that things are changing. When the Holy Spirit came, 
on the day of Pentecost, it came very suddenly and in many ways very unexpectedly and everything changed. The disciples were changed uh, in an instance. As, uh, as Ben has already mentioned, the disciples were, were pretty frightened about everything that had happened. The person, their leader, the person they'd been following for three years, had been crucified had died, had risen again. Whilst this was uh, very exciting, it was also very scary. Uh, they were suddenly left on their own. Jesus had left them. We, we were looking at that passage at the beginning of Acts where Jesus ascends into heaven for the final time and, and said his final farewell. He was going and leaving them to it and he said, wait. And so it was a very frightening group of disciples that huddled together in this room waiting for what they knew not. And there's a sense in which we can identify with that. Because the world that we live in is changing. The church that we attend is changing. And uh, for many people that is a frightening experience. Because we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what the future will look like. And there's a sense in which we can identify with the disciples' wonder and fear about what might be going to happen. The disciples were changed. Rob Bell, uh, writing about this uh, in his book, Jesus Wants to Save Christians Too, says, when, first, when the first century Jews living in Jerusalem celebrated Pentecost, they gathered together to read the account of Sinai from the book of Exodus and then reflect on the history of their people. Rob Bell is pointing out that, you know, uh, Pentecost was already a Jewish festival, a celebration. Uh, In a sense, it was nothing to do with the Holy Spirit up until this point. It was to do about uh, reading the law and gathering the harvests and, uh, and celebrating a feast of weeks. And he goes on to say, this is like Sinai all over again. Only this time, God isn't taking up residence in a tabernacle or a mountain or a set of words. God is dwelling in people. In Sinai, you know, the mountain smoked and trembled and God's presence was there and he gave Moses the law and Moses brought down uh, the book of the, of the law and read it to uh, the people of Israel. And, uh, and that was pretty terrifying, but there was something kind of solid. It was happening uh, here. It was happening outside of their experience. On the day of Pentecost, God in his Holy Spirit comes and fills his people with his Holy Spirit and dwells within them. Everything changes. So, the wind of change is speeding in. It's speeding in. And uh, it's interesting that some of the people who were passing by uh, reached the conclusion that what they see, the only explanation that they can come up with is these people must be drunk. They must have had too much wine. I like the story of the three uh, prospectors who found a rich vein of gold in California during the days of the gold rush. And they realised what a great discovery they had. And they decided, we've got a really good thing here going as long as no one else finds out about it. So they took a vow of secrecy. They then headed for the town to file their claims and get the equipment necessary to mine their gold. True to their vows, they didn't say a word to anybody. They filed their claim, bought the equipment and headed back to their mine. 
But when they did, a crowd of people followed them. And the reason was because the expression on their faces had given them away. Their faces were aglow in anticipation of the wealth that would soon be theirs. People knew they must have found something very special, so a crowd followed them out of town. Their expressions gave them away. Um, On the day of Pentecost, the people asked, what does this mean? And some people thought that the disciples must be drunk because they were so exuberant, perhaps so joyful, so uh, outgoing. Something had changed in this group of people. Something had happened. The wind of change is speeding in. Secondly, I want to say that the wind of change is about speaking out. The wind of change is about speaking out. When the Holy Spirit comes, he changes us. He fills us with God's spirits. And we read, didn't we, that uh, that when that happened, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Something happened to them Something miraculously happened in which they were enabled to be able to speak in a different language. And when they spoke in a different language, people that were gathered around heard them speak. Now, there's two things that is incredible here. First of all, the fact that these people were speaking out when we'd already said that they were quite a fearful group. Fearful, knowing what had happened to Jesus, that the same thing could happen to them. And suddenly, they're no longer afraid. They're speaking out, and they're speaking out in strange tongues that other people are able to understand. But notice it's as the Spirit enabled them. And this happened to all of them. It didn't happen to uh, a small group of them. It happened to everybody. Which again is a significant change. If you think of, of, of Judaism, what used to happen is that the priest was the person that spoke with God. People would come to the priest and he, if you like, was the conduit between the people and between God. He was the one that offered the sacrifices. He was the one that went into the most holy of holies. And priests were people who were set apart. When the day of Pentecost came, everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just the special religious people, but everybody. The group of disciples were all filled. They were all unable to speak in these strange tongues. Things were changing. Things were changing fastly. Things were changing drastically. All of them were enabled to speak in other tongues. I don't know whether you ever feel like you're running on empty. Whether you ever feel that you've, uh, you've lost the energy. Maybe it's because so often what we try to do, we try to do in our own strength. It's almost like our, our kind of safety net, isn't it? We, we try to do things very often in the strength that we have, with the gifts uh, that we have. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples were doing something that they w- wouldn't have ordinarily been able to do. There's that word again, ordinarily. Uh, there was nothing ordinary about the day of Pentecost. And there would be nothing ordinary about the disciples' lives from this day forward. Their lives were completely changed. And this is what happens. If you've lost your uh, zing, 
If you feel like you're running on empty, then maybe you need to be filled once again with the Holy Spirit. Peter will go on to say that this is what uh, Joel prophesied in the last days. I will pour out my Spirit. And again, it's on all people. Not on specifically or specially religious priests, but on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream, will dream dreams. The Holy Spirit was going to be given to everybody to enable them to continue the work of Jesus. So the wind of change, it was speeding in fastly and it enabled the disciples to speak out. They were speaking out. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Now this is amazing. Because this is the Peter who only a few weeks ago was terrified when a servant came up to him and said, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? Me? No, never seen the guy, don't know him. You've, you, you, you're mistaken me for somebody else. He was frightened to death, or rather frightened of death. And suddenly this same person, this the same person, filled with the Holy Spirit, now stands up in full view of everybody and begins to preach. He addresses the crowd and says, let me tell you what's happening. Let me explain it to you. And he goes on to preach his sermon. So the wind of change is about speaking out. It's enabled people to speak out. And the Spirit will enable us in the same way. To have that boldness that ordinarily, there's that word again, we don't have. Ordinarily, we are fearful about sharing our faith. Ordinarily, uh, it's something we don't do. Ordinarily, we wouldn't bring Jesus into the conversation. We need the Holy Spirit to enable us to be able to speak out and to tell people the good news about Jesus Christ because that's what they need to hear. So the wind of change is speaking out. Of course, sometimes people get a little bit confused and uh, we're going to be looking, as we mentioned earlier, about the gifts of the Spirit in Cafe Church tonight. I wonder if the gifts of tongues is anything way related to the gift of, of the gab. Well, in, in some way it is, isn't it? Uh, certainly in, in, this, in this instance. Of course, this isn't the gift of tongues that Paul will speak about later on in his letter to the Corinthians, uh, a spiritual language. The tongues that is given here of course, is the gift of being able to speak a different language. You know, it's like if if God suddenly enabled me to speak Chinese because there happened to be a Chinese person here, or enabled me to speak Russian because there was a Russian people here. It is that sort of gift rather than the spiritual language um, that some of us have the gift of being able to use. So, the wind of change is speaking out. Uh, The disciples were now going to be God's spokespeople. They were going to take on the baton. They were going to be the people that as Jesus had done in his life on earth were going to declare with boldness the good news about Jesus. And then thirdly, the wind of change is spreading all about. We've had in, out and now it's all about. 
Uh, we could stand up now and sing a, a little song, couldn't we? And do the okey-cokey and, and shake it all about. But I, 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 I guess from your faces, you don't really want to do that. You've already gone with me moving chairs. Thank you on that. I'm not going to make you sing the hokey-cokey. But that's what happened, isn't it? It came speeding in. People were speaking out. And then it suddenly started to spread all about. Because everybody, they weren't doing the hokey-cokey. But they were doing what God enabled them to do. But you will receive power. This is what we were looking at last week. When the Holy Spirit comes, this is what Jesus had spoken to the disciples. He told them what was going to happen. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Where were the disciples? They were in Jerusalem. What were they doing? They were beginning to witness just as Jesus said. Have you noticed in Scripture when Jesus says something, it happens? It's not like when you and I say something. When Jesus says something, it happens because Jesus knows what we don't know. And uh, what do we read in in Acts verse 5 of chapter 2? Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation. Obviously Luke's, when he's talking about every nation, doesn't mean every nation under the sun. I don't suppose there were any English people there on that day, or Scottish people, or Welsh people, or Irish people. But he's using a general term to say there were lots of people here from uh, different, different parts of the world uh, who spoke different languages. And uh, there's a sense in what we see is the mission of God starts to spread out. Jesus had come to the lost tribe of Israel. The disciples were going to go a lot further than that. They were going to reach out into all the world. And of course we are part of that reaching out into all the world. The wind of change is spreading all about. Uh, This Holy Spirit that had gone into the disciples uh, was going to be so powerful that if it happened in Jerusalem, it wasn't going to be able to be contained to Jerusalem. It was so big and so powerful and so dramatic that what was happening was going to affect the rest of their civilization starting in Jerusalem, going to Judea, but it was going to reach the ends of the earth, the power and the gift of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just the disciples, of course, who were changed. It wasn't just the disciples who were changed. The change began with them, but as it, as it spread out, as, as, as Peter uh, began to preach... Uh, something very interesting happened. Those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Yes, read it, you've read it before, but let's be amazed about that. 3,000 people were added to their number that day. You're not that amazed, are you? You've heard it before, you know it. We know, we've seen it, it happened, okay, so what? Let's be amazed at what God did on that day And let's be amazed at what God still wants to do this day. When the message was preached that day, 3,000 people decided that they were going to commit themselves to this God and this Jesus that Peter was proclaiming. Do you remember when the disciples were following Jesus around and and they tried to do a little bit of ministry? How often did they come back and say, nothing happened? And, and Jesus kind of gently uh, spoke with them and said, well, you know, go out and do this or do that. And he tried them. He'd been training them for three years for this very moment. 
But they weren't going to be able to do it on their own. They weren't going to be able to do it on their own strength. They needed the gift of the Holy Spirit working within them to empower them to do what on their own they couldn't do. On his own, Peter could have spoke all day and nothing would have happened except for the power of the Holy Spirit working in Peter, but also working in those 3,000 people. We can try as hard as we like to bring people to Jesus. We can talk to them, we can argue with them, we can speak with them, but only the Holy Spirit working in somebody's life can make that decision for them. We can't do it in our own strength. We have to work in partnership with God's Holy Spirit. And that's great, and isn't it a relief to know it's not all down to us? That we just need to be faithful to what God is asking us to do? It's not up to us to, to win people for Jesus, we're part of the process... But it's God's Holy Spirit who will convict people, who will work in people's life. We can pray, we can preach, we can teach, we can disciple, but only the Holy Spirit will make that life-changing difference in somebody's life. The wind of change is spreading all about. And this was the pattern, wasn't it? This was going to be the pattern for the disciples from this day forward. Nothing was going to be the same. Nothing was going to be the same. Looking through Acts, and I've, I could have picked a lot more verses. Acts 4, the number of men grew to about 5,000. Hang on a second, it was 3,000. Uh, a couple of chapters later, suddenly it's 5,000. More and more men and women believed the Lord and were added to their number. Can you see this? They just can't stop it. They had no control over it. This thing was getting out of control. The Holy Spirit was working and convicting people's lives, and people were being changed. Acts 6, the word of God spread. The number of disciples increased rapidly. You can imagine, can't you, them having a bit of a church meeting and saying, hey, we can't control this thing. And maybe somebody said, we don't need to. So often in church, there are, there are kind of things that happen that we want to try and control things. We, we want to be in charge, don't we? And sometimes we just need to allow God's spirit to work. We need to give God the freedom to work within us. Very often, the blockage is us because we want to keep in control. We want things to keep... Uh, you know, where we can, where we can still control things. Ordinarily, that's what happens. But there was nothing ordinary about the day of Pentecost. So, the wind of change is spreading all about. It came speeding in. Um, the disciples were just faithful. They waited. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And nothing was going to be the same again. It, involved them speaking out. Suddenly, they were unable to speak out. And once they spoke about what had happened to them, and about this Jesus that had changed their lives, they couldn't stop it spreading all about. From this moment forward, the day of Pentecost, nothing was ever going to be the same again. Jesus is in the business and the Holy Spirit is in the business of changing people's lives. The question to ask ourselves is, first of all, has our life been changed? Has the Holy Spirit come into my life and, and caused that dramatic change? And then to remind ourselves that that's what we are in the business of, uh, changing people's lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when that happens, uh, your life will never be the same again. Amen.
Let's pray together. Spirit of God, you are the breath of creation, the wind of change that blows through our lives, opening us up to new dreams and new hopes, new life in Christ Jesus. Forgive us our closed minds, which barricade themselves against new ideas, preferring the past to what you might want to do through us tomorrow. Forgive us our closed eyes, which fail to see the needs of your world, blind to opportunities of service and love. Forgive us our closed hands, which clutch our gifts and wealth for our own use and not yours. Forgive us our closed hearts, which limit our affection to ourselves and our own. Spirit of new life, forgive us and break down the prison walls of our selfishness that we might be open to your love and open for the service of your world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.